Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. I'm gonna do a little intro and and talk for just a second and then we're in a series right now. I get to close it out called That'll Preach. And basically that'll preach is taking movies, media, and what God can say through it. Because look, if God can speak through fire to Moses, he can speak through a movie. He can totally speak through a movie. So we're in that. And before we start, I just want to talk to the men. Do not judge me on the movie clip that I am about to show you. If my husband can preach on Fight Club and the women can get revelation, y'all will be able to do the same thing here. So you're not allowed to shut down and just be quiet. Like, I need you to actually focus. So before I tell you what the preach is about, why don't we go ahead and we'll roll the clip. Miss um, Wyndham, what had you done earlier that day? I got up, got a latte, went to the gym, got a perm, and came home. Well, you got in the shower? I believe the witness has made it clear that she was in the shower. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Your Honor. Um, Miss Wyndham, had you ever gotten a perm before? Yes. How many would you say? Two a year since I was 12. You do the math. You know, a girl in my sorority, Tracy Marcinko, got a perm once. We all tried to talk her out of it. Curls weren't a good look for her. She didn't have your bone structure. But thankfully, that same day, she entered the Beta Delta Pi wet t-shirt contest where she was completely hosed down from head to toe. Objection. Why is this relevant? Oh, I have a point, I promise. Then make it. Yes, ma'am. Chutney, why is it that Tracy Marcinko's curls were ruined when she got hosed down? Because they got wet? Exactly, because isn't it the first cardinal rule of perm maintenance that you're forbidden to wet your hair for at least 24 hours after getting a perm at the risk of deactivating the ammonium thyglocolate? Yes. And wouldn't somebody who's had, say, 30 perms before in their life be well aware of this rule? And if, in fact, you weren't washing your hair, as I suspect you weren't because your curls are still intact, wouldn't you have heard the gunshot? And if, in fact, you had heard the gunshot, Brooke Wyndham wouldn't have had time to hide the gun before you got downstairs, which would mean that you would have had to have found Mrs. Wyndham with a gun in her hand to make your story plausible. Isn't that right? She's my age. Did she tell you that? How would you feel if your father married someone who was your age? You, however, had time to hide the gun, didn't you, Chutney? After you shot your father. I didn't mean to shoot him. I thought it was you walking through the door. Order, order. Order. Oh, Oh my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. All right, so before I go into this, let's pray. Let's bring, let's bring the holy back into here. It'll all make sense. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for what you're about to do in this place tonight. I thank you that your spirit is resting, 
that your spirit is moving, and I fully believe that there is going to be healing that is going to happen, that there is going to be breakthrough that is going to happen, that addictions are going to be broken off of people in the name of Jesus tonight, and I just thank you for the honor and use me as a vessel for your word in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right. So the title of my preach is called, Can I Get a Witness? Okay. Now, if you checked out that clip, yes, it's very funny, and it's all that as well, but the, the prosecution put the daughter on the witness stand thinking she was a solid witness to their, to their case, that she was going to be able to clinch it for them and close it for them, but the prosecution actually didn't know that inside of that, that girl was a lot of anger and resentment and bitterness, and that was all revealed on the witness stand because... Everybody that you surround yourself with is a witness to your life, and you are also a witness to the community and the friends that are around you, because who you surround yourself with is important. It is important. Now, I'm going to go over three points with you tonight, and as I go over each point, I'm going to ask a question repetitively, and I want you to take a moment tonight or tomorrow and do some self-reflection. I want you to really focus. It's okay to take notes. Jesus likes note takers. I feel like you get a better mansion in heaven. That's not theological, but I'm just saying it. I'm just saying it. But I want you to actually have some self-reflection in, in these moments. So we're going to go over the different types of witnesses that are usually brought to a trial. I'm going to give you the three up front just in case I run out of time, which I won't because I'm a time Nazi for myself. So expert witnesses are called to the stand. Eyewitnesses are called to the stand and character witnesses are called to the stand. So we're gonna start with expert witness. An expert witness, the definition is a person who is permitted to testify at a trial because of special knowledge or proficiency in a particular field that is relevant to the case. So an expert witness, when you are surrounding yourself with friends and community, are usually people that have fruit in their lives. So when you are walking through something, when you're going through trials, maybe you're having anxiety, maybe you're on the verge of divorce, who do you go to? Do you go to the people that have fruit in their marriages? Do you go to the people who have fruit in their finances? Who are you actually surrounding yourself with and seeking wisdom and counsel from? Because there's a difference, and I just wanna say this, it's important. There's a difference between venting and complaining or actually seeking wisdom. And who you go to is important, but then also, who are you in your community? If you've had healing or breakthrough or freedom or fruit in something, are you then able to then pour that out to other people? Like, can you do what God's done in your life for someone else? Be an encourager, pour God's life, pour his word over them. And I wanna, I'm gonna share um, some testimony because look, this, this message is all about community and we're gonna be friends and I'm gonna force my loving friendship on all of you. So that's how this is gonna to work tonight. But to do that, you gotta know me a little bit. So um, I wanna share the difference between going to expert witnesses, your expert fruitful people, and maybe going to the people that aren't the right people to be complaining to. So 
When Mike and I first started dating, he was not a Christian, which at the time I was like, oh, it's fine. I'm a believer. Like, he'll see me being all holy, and he's going to want to come closer to Jesus. Yeah, I wasn't actually planted in a church and didn't have good community around me. So when it came time for a Sunday, and I'm like, oh, I want to go to church, and Mike would be like, oh, well, I want to go surfing. I was like, okay, well, I want to spend time with you, so I'm going to go surfing with you. So it completely backfired because he wasn't getting closer to God. I was actually getting closer to Mike and not to God in the moment but we're so we're dating we have a lot of trials we dated for four years and in my last year of dating him we had a lot of ups and downs but in that time God was actually calling me back to him and I heard God being like hey I want you back are you gonna come back I'm your friend why'd you leave me like he he was pushing on my heart and so in our last couple of months of dating we decided to go to a counselor because we were there was just so much stuff happening. So we went to a counselor, and the counselor listened to each of our sides of our testimonies and said this, well, Rachel, if you want to go to church on a Sunday, go to church. And if Mike wants to surf, let him go surf. And then you guys can come together, and it'll be fine. I'm like, you're a paid, licensed counselor, and this is the advice that you're giving me? Like, because in that moment, the Holy Spirit, and this is probably the first time I'd had heard the Holy Spirit speak to me, say, who are you going to choose, him or me? And that was a hard decision. Like, women, let me speak to you for a minute. I was age 25 to 29 when I dated Mike. Those are prime years, people. I had given to him. We were talking about marriage. But I had a choice to make. And for me, it was a hard no. I was like, I don't want to align myself with somebody who is not pushing forward in the same way. He told me that we would, he would never come to church even if we had kids. It was fine for me to go, but not for him. Anyways, that's a long story to say. So what did I do? We broke up, separated. I went to my friends that were around me. Now, my friends at the time, they weren't Christians. They didn't actually even have really good fruit in their lives. Like their relationships, they were like cheating on their boyfriends. Like those were the people I was around. So when I'm heartbroken and I'm walking through this time, these girls go, hey, you know what we're going to do? And I'm like, oh, I hope it's a sleepover and we can cry. It'll be amazing. They're like, we're going to go to Vegas. Wow. Those, are, those are my friends. So... I wish I had the conviction because I just said yes to God coming back to him to be like, no, that's not the right thing to do. But they're like, no, come. We'll dance. We'll have some drinks. You'll forget all about him. You'll numb yourself to, being, to having to worry about that. So I went. I went with my friends. And you know what happened to those girls that said they would be with me and they were going to stay with me? They all started drinking. They all started dancing. And they all left with guys. And I went back to the hotel room by myself, still broken, still hurting, still numb, and not dealing with anything. So that was me going to, to poor counsel, okay? Let's fast forward. Mike and I reconcile. He finds the church and finds Jesus, thank you, God. Yeah. On his own. On his own. He found it on his own. So he comes to Awaken, which was C3 back in the day, and starts inviting me to come to church. And at first I was like, what cult have you joined? Because you said you would never come to church with me, and I don't know what you're drinking. But I came because I saw some fruit on his life. I saw the people he was around. So we come to church. Fast forward, we're dating, and then we get engaged, and then we go through premarital and we get married. This is all within like a four-month time frame. It's but look, we dated for four years, so it's not like I picked him up off the streets. So, so we date. So this happens, right? 
a week after we get married, and my husband's shared some of our testimony with you before, but a week after we get married, I find emails on his computer with a woman who he has started an emotional affair with who is in the church. And it was heartbreaking. The, the woman was going through a really messy divorce and she had a lot of brokenness. And Mike was still walking through brokenness. He had been unfaithful in the four years that we were dating. And I knew this and I came back and there was healing and forgiveness. But then this hit me one week after we said, I do. And ladies, I saved myself for marriage. I was 30 when I got married. If I can do it, all of y'all can do it too, okay? That'll preach. But, yes, you're welcome, all the young adults. But look, like, that was heart, like, literally heartbreaking. And you know what the first thing I did? I went to the kitchen and grabbed a knife. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't do I didn't do that. I wanted to, but I didn't. No. So I called our premarital counselors, Pastor John and Becky Heinrichs, because I knew that they had fruit in their marriage. They had fruit in their family, and I wanted to go to somebody who could help me heal and walk through things properly. And, and they actually, literally, she's like, I just had a newborn, but I want you over at my house tonight. So she invited us over, and I love them because they knew us, they knew our situation, they helped us walk through premarital, but what they didn't do when I got there was just allow me to keep crying for an hour. It would not have been fun, or it would have been really messy. For they didn't let me just continue to cry. They were like, I'm so sorry you're going through this, but you're gonna get through this. And what they didn't do to Mike was be like, how dare you, I can't believe you, with guilt and shame. No, they didn't do that either because he was already carrying that on himself. No, they helped us, they encouraged us. They helped us find professional counseling. They helped us find other couples who had fruit in their marriages because we went to an expert in that area. And that's the, that's the difference. So I didn't wanna just go and vent and complain to them. I actually wanted things to get better. So who you surround yourself with is important. And here's some scripture that will help me with this. Psalm 1-1, blessed, fortunate, prosperous, and favored by God is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, following their advice and example, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit down to rest in the seat of scoffers or ridiculers. 1 Corinthians 15.33, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. I want to say that one more time for everybody in the back. Bad company corrupts good morals. So even if you are good, if you are surrounding yourself with bad company, you will then become corrupt. This last one I really, really love. <laughs> and this is the message version. It's Proverbs 13.20. Become wise by walking with the wise, hang out with fools, and watch your life fall to pieces. So who you surround yourself with is important, but also who are you to the people around you? It's not just about the people around you, it's about who you are in your community as well, amen? All right, let's go to point number two, eyewitness. An eyewitness is a person who has personally seen something happen and so can give a firsthand description or testimony of it. So when you're thinking about your community, your friends, the people you surround yourself with, are you surrounding yourself with people that will pour fuel on your fire? If you're going through something, are they causing more fear, more anxiety? Are they gossipy? Are you going to those types of people? Or are you actually surrounding yourself with people that will 
speak God's word over you, can see something differently, not see what the world sees, but actually be like, "Uh uh-uh, that's not what my Bible says. So no, I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to believe for you. I'm going to prophesy over you. I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to help walk you through it. There's a difference because the report that you believe matters. Yeah. So I'm going to give another testimony because, again, we're friends and we're getting to know each other. Um, So about... I'd say five years ago, five or so, no, four years ago, um, we had a friend, Evan and Taylor Lowe, good friends with us. We love them. They were in our connect group. And Evan had been diagnosed with lupus, which is an autoimmune disease. And it caused real sickness in his body, fatigue, weakness. It can, it can erupt everywhere in his body. And so he would have flare-ups from time to time. And we prayed with him. We believed with him. We prayed over their house. And one night, I got a call from Taylor and she's crying, and she's like, hey, we're rushed to the hospital right now. Evan, is, Evan needs to be at the hospital because he had a really bad flare-up. I need somebody. Can you come? And that was like my God moment where he's like, cool, I'm putting you up to the plate. Are you going to step up, and are you going to bat? And I was like, okay, God, we are doing this. My friend needs me, and I'm going to step up to the plate because I had other people that had to step up to the plate for me. When we went through our miscarriage, they spoke life and healing over it. And I was like, all right, you're calling me in. Put me in, coach, because I don't want to hide in the dugout when my friend is going through something. I'm going to stand up, and I'm going to be like, nope, I'm here, and I'm going to, I'm going to prophesy, I'm going to believe, and I'm going to pray. So we get to the hospital, and I'm in the room with her and the doctor and a couple of other people that are there and the doctor says we have to put Evan into an induced coma his body can't handle this and he looks directly at Taylor and he's like it doesn't look good do you have your affairs in order and I squeeze her leg and I very audibly say cancel I think it was the first time in my life that I was like cancel Uh uh-uh because I believe that doctors have great knowledge and that God gave us medical professionals, but when that moment, I was like, "Uh uh-uh, cancel, because the doctors don't have the final say. God has the final say, and so I'm going to stand, and I'm going to prophesy, and I'm going to believe with my friend, because God has the final say. Yes and amen. All right, so... We stand there, we go up to his room, he's in a coma, but we don't just leave it at like, no, I'm just gonna, I'll pray for you when I get home. No, we stood over his body that was in a coma, we prayed over him, we prophesied life into him, we put worship music on in that space, and week after week, the reports were coming back randomly from the doctor. Oh, it's so weird. His oxygen levels are coming up. It's so weird. We can actually remove him off of his feeding tube now. It's so weird. I'm like, it's not weird. It's God. And let me tell you that Taylor and Evan Lowe walked out of that hospital hand in hand. They have two babies right now and one on the way because God is good and his promises are real. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. So we're going to share some scripture. This is important. So in Numbers 13, 27, basically this is Moses and the Israelites, and they're waiting to take over the land that God has been promising them. So Moses sends out 12 spies, and he's like, check it out. Is the fruit good? How do the people look? What does it look like? Ten of the spies came back, and this was their report. We went into the land to which you sent us, and there does flow with milk and honey. Here's the fruit. See, they could see the fruit. They were like, look, it's here. I have it. I see it. 
but the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. This is how I imagine they were talking to them. We even saw descendants of Anak there and the Amicalites live there in Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, they live in the hill country. The Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. And then the next line, 30, says, then Caleb. Everybody needs a then Caleb. They all need a Caleb in their lives because then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. You know why? Because Caleb had different eyes than the other 10 men. They were like, he was like, no, if God is with us, then who can be against us? What did you see? But then the men continue. Because there's, there, so it says, but the men. There's always like a worldly but, and then there's the God but. I know that sounds really weird, but it's like, it's different. Like, but there's but in the world, but there's always a but God. And God's but is bigger. Just saying. All right. It says, but the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, descendants of Anak come from Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. I wanna stop there. Like these men are literally discounting themselves already. Like to themselves, we seemed like grasshoppers. They had fear and anxiety and then they're spreading rumors to everybody else. And then it goes on and we looked the same to them. These 10 spies have no idea what these other giants may have seen. They may have seen 10 men and been like, oh my gosh, it's a scouting group. There's going to be an army. What's coming? They have no idea, but they are just prophesying and speaking lies over themselves and anticipating what they think that these giants were thinking in the moment. Okay? So we're going to also do Psalm 27, 13. I love this. This scripture is actually over my daughter's bed because we needed it when we were believing for our miracle babies. It says, I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Because you're going to walk through things, and, and there's times where you can lose heart. And I completely understand that because I've been there multiple times in my life where you can lose heart. But... There's a but that comes in here. Like, if you believe that you're going to see the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living, that means you have different eyes to see things. You're an eyewitness for God, and God is an eyewitness for you, and his word is true, and his promises are yes and amen. So whatever you're walking through, shift your eyesight. Don't be the 10. Be the 2. Be the 2 because the report that you believe in matters. All right, are we good? You with me? All right, all right. We're going to go to character witness. This one's my favorite. A character witness provides facts and assessments that address a defendant's character. They are usually family members or people who have intimate knowledge of the defendant. I love that word intimate. Pastor Jurgen says that intimacy means into me see. So with your friends, are you actually able to be transparent and vulnerable? My husband said something so brilliant last week where he's like, are we going to be mullet Christians where we pretend like we have it all together, but really there's like a rat's nest behind and you're not letting anybody in? And for the women, it's like you need somebody else to brush that rat's nest out. Are you actually allowing people in to see every area of your life? Can you be vulnerable with people? So here's my last testimony. We're going to get real here. 
Six years ago, uh, almost six years ago, when I delivered my miracle baby, Emerson, uh, it was actually a very complicated labor and delivery. I was about 32 hours in. I did it all natural. Jesus is good. He's amazing. Yeah. So I had some um, complications with the delivery, which caused some physical things to happen to me after. So the doctor said, hey, you know what? We're going to give you um, some prescription pain medication. I want you to take it so your body can heal. You're a new mom. You're already going to be like sleep deprived. You're going to be tired. Like we want your body to heal. So I'm like, okay, yeah, that sounds, that sounds good. I'm going to do that. So I, could, I felt the pain in the moment. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. It's going to help me. But what ended up happening is I kept renewing the prescription. And the thing is that, honestly, I don't even know if my body was still in pain or if I was experiencing the pain because I just kept taking it out of fear that I was going to have to experience the pain, that it was there. And I, I actually got addicted to prescription medication. And the saddest part about that and all of it is nobody knew. I, and I was fully functioning, I wasn't high on anything, but my body was dependent on it for me to actually get through the day. My husband didn't know, the closest people around me didn't know, and it was sad because I actually had good, close, intimate relationships with people, but nobody knew. And, and then 10 months after I had started the pills, Cherish Conference happened, and I was sitting in a Cherish Conference seat, I don't even remember what the message was, but I remember sitting in that seat and in a moment, God was like, I have not given you a spirit of fear. So why are you holding on to it? What are you doing, daughter? That's not what I have for you. He's like, I'm gonna break that off of you right now, but you're gonna have to walk it out. And in a moment, that addiction was broken off of my body and that fear was gone in Jesus' name. Yeah, praise God. Now, but I had to walk out what that looked like on the other side. So I went home and I, and I told my husband, he was so gracious. He didn't like shame me for it. And, and we let people in that were close to us. I had pastors and leaders who I connected with and they, did, they weren't like, how dare you? I can't believe you would do this. You have a newborn baby. No, they said, I'm actually, I'm sorry that you had to walk through this alone. And I'm like, oh God, thank you, I need this support. But they also wouldn't let me stay there. They're like, no, it ends now, it ends now. And we are gonna help get you. So we had pastors that literally helped us pay for therapy and counseling because the physical part I was gonna have to deal with, but there was a mental and emotional part that I had to work through as well. When I was going through detox withdrawals in my bed and I was sweating and I was shaking and had flu-like symptoms, I had pastors that were sending me worship music to give me peace and calm my body through that process. And then I had to walk through that for about two weeks, three weeks to actually get that all out. But I had healing and I had victory and I had God's goodness because those are his promises. And if God can do it for me, he can do it for anyone. to say I'm not addicted to prescription pain medication and I know this because in November last year I had to have a minor surgery and the first thing that I did was I went to my friend Pastor Alicia who was actually one of the people who walked with me through that season and I was like hey I just want to be transparent I'm a little nervous the doctors are going to give me pain medication for after the surgery I'm a little nervous to take it and she stops and looks me straight in the eyes and she goes Rachel 
that thing doesn't have power over you anymore. You have power over it. That's already been broken. So I don't want you to be fearful about this. And I'm so thankful because I needed that friend, that encourager to remind me what I already knew, but that could speak that truth in life over me. And I, and I was able to do it. I, was, I, I did take the appropriate amount of medication to help my body heal. I didn't refill anything. I wasn't worried about anything, but I was able to be transparent and bring it to people who I knew had my back. And that is so, 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 so important. And I wanna, I just wanna, we're gonna share some scripture too. Okay, because the enemy is actually a character witness to everyone. Do you know that he witnesses everything that we do? Your life, your actions. And you know what he's doing? He's whispering, remember that thing that you did? Remember those pills that you took? Remember how you hid everything from everyone? He's the worst character witness, but you know how the best one is? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is also a character witness for us and on our behalf. I'm gonna go into some scripture on it right now. In Romans 8, 34, it says, who is the one who condemns us? Christ Jesus is the one who died to pay our penalty. And more than that, was raised from the dead and who is at the right hand of God, interceding with the Father for us. We have somebody who knows our mess. When we allow Jesus Christ into our heart, he knows everything but it doesn't matter because he still intercedes for us because he already died to take away that sin. He already died on a cross for our freedoms and for our forgiveness so that we could actually have a relationship with God. We have somebody who intercedes for us. And in John 1, 2, it says, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He's the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but for the sins of the world. And I love, you can clap for that, that's really good. I know, that scripture is great, I know. In the message version, it calls Jesus our priest friend. He's not just our Lord and Savior who died on the cross, he is our priest friend, but when you have a friendship, have you actually asked Jesus Christ into every area of your life? Does he know the intimate areas? Does he know the hidden things? Because we can accept Jesus, but we can still hide things. Are you actually being vulnerable with him? Are you actually being transparent? Because when you allow Jesus to come in, he's gonna bring light to those things. And God doesn't bring light to an area to shame you. He actually brings light so you can have healing and you can have freedom and you can walk in all of God's goodness and fullness over your life. Like, can you imagine this? If you went in to go have surgery and you have like the best surgeon, he's got years of medical experience and he goes, hey, you know what I wanna do? Let's do the surgery in the dark. It'll be so fun. Like, I don't know what I'm gonna pull out. We might be pulling out a bone, I don't know. No, a surgeon goes in in an operating room with lights on so he can properly go in to heal and then remove the things so that you can have healing. That is Jesus Christ when you allow him into your heart. But are you? So I wanna, in this moment, I wanna ask, there's, there's probably multiple types of people, but there's two that I wanna speak to tonight. Maybe you know Jesus, you've asked him into your life, but maybe you're actually hiding some areas like, oh, I'm, in, I'm all in Jesus, I love you, but I don't want you to take this away. Or, hey, I don't need you to help me in this area. It's okay, I've got it. 
today, it doesn't mean that you walked away from him, but are you actually intimate with him? Are you vulnerable with him? So if that's you in a couple minutes, I just want you to raise your hand. It's gonna be a vulnerable moment, but I know that probably on a weekly basis, I have to remind myself who Jesus is. It's not a condemning thing. It is actually me saying, God, I want you to have all of me. I want you to heal all of me. I want me to surrender everything to you, but can you do that? And maybe you're here for the first time, 10th time, 100th time, but do you know that Jesus? Do you know the Jesus who loved you so much that he died on a cross for you, that he wants to come in, he wants to heal you? And there's correction when healing happens because you're not only getting healed, the Holy Spirit will convict you and will start to correct you, which means that we get to change our lives. This is called an altar because your life is altered at it. So if you don't know that Jesus, if you need an advocate who speaks on your behalf, who will quiet the voice of the enemy, I want you to also raise your hand when I ask for it. Because let me just tell you, I've had to do it a bunch. I'm so thankful that God has come into my life. I'm so thankful I had people and community in my life. I'm so thankful that I didn't just shut myself up and keep myself into a locked room. No, I have healthy female and male relationships in this house because I allowed that, but it wasn't easy. It's not easy to have to heal something, a wound hurts, but you know what happens after a wound heals? It becomes a scar. It's a beautiful scar. It's a reminder of what you walk through, but it doesn't hurt anymore. So I have beautiful scars that remind me of what I walked through, but that is my healing testimony that I can now share and I can speak about and I can help pour out God's love and his promises to his people. My testimony isn't just for me. My testimony is for other people. So is yours. So who you surround yourself with is important and who you are to your community is important. So with every eye closed in this moment, I just want us to take a minute Look, if, if you need God to come in, if you need Jesus Christ in your heart to light every area up, to take away those things, to help you process and walk to live your fullest, or if you've never met that Jesus, who is an advocate, who believes for you, who loves you, who wants your healing and your freedom, let's stop pretending. It starts tonight. Your breakthrough starts tonight. Your healing starts tonight. That addiction is broken tonight. You're gonna have freedom tonight. You're gonna live in God's fullness tonight. So can we start tonight? Can we start tonight? So if that's you on the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Thank you, I see that hand, amazing. I see those hands, phenomenal. I see those hands. God, God loves you. He wants to heal you. He doesn't want to keep you in the same way. I see those hands. Thank you, Jesus, for every single hand that is raised right now so that they can have a supernatural encounter with who you are. I'm so proud of each and every one of you. It's not easy to do that. I've had to do it before I know, but God wants to move on you, in you, and through you. So can, can we do something a little bold? If you raise your hand, I actually want you to come down because I wanna pray with you. Because I was one of those people that would stay in the seats, but I want you to be bold. You just took a big step. I want you to step out of your seats. I want you to come down to this altar and I wanna pray over you today. We're gonna pray together and our church family is gonna pray with us.
that is happening in heaven for each and every single one of you right now. We are laying it all down. We are surrendering it at the altar and we don't get to pick it back up because you know who did it for us? Jesus Christ. So I want everybody here and the entire church, I want you to say this prayer with me. Thank you, God, for doing a miracle work in me. I surrender my life so that I can live in your fullest. I thank you for what your son Jesus Christ did. And my life will be forever changed because I am allowing you in. Take my whole heart, my whole life, and use me, God. Thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.